0: What's happening, everybody? It's your host, Jake Burns. Welcome into the latest edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Tuesday, November 29th episode. This episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at FanDuel gearing you up for the Ohio launch of betting, gambling, legal gambling. Make sure you're taking advantage of that promo code that we have been mentioning last month and will continue to do so in December, getting you ready for what should be a fun kickoff to Ohio gambling at the turn of the year. Uh, Today's episode is your peek behind the curtain, your all-22 comprehensive breakdown, which I have done, accomplished, have notes, plenty of them for you from this game. Hopefully you had a great Victory Monday, which uh, a ton of clips that I put up to try to make it a little bit a little bit brighter for you. Sometimes when you go five of six, uh, five of six losses, and it feels like forever in between some of your wins, you really got to revel in some of these Victory Mondays when they're in front of you. And as we know, there's going to be another Victory Monday, uh, hopefully next week, as we get the Browns into a situation where it's a very very uh, favorable game. They have not had a favorable game on the schedule in a while. Now, not to say they're going to do it, right? Not trying to... Uh, put the cart in front of the horse here or anything, but it is nice to have a game that you feel like your team is going to be heavily favored considering where the Browns have been in recent stretches of tough, tough games. They have plenty of tough games remaining, but it's nice to have a week where we feel like they should be able to put some things together and obviously to welcome Deshaun Watson back to the lineup. So we'll start with the offense in this game, a reminder that they ran 75 plays. They had 189 net passing yards, sorry, 178 net passing yards and 189 net rushing yards. And that is what we're going to break down today. Just one turnover off of Hail Mary. You're great out players in this one, which we'll get to in just a second. We should go through the data that we collect in this. So, um... In this one, this is the largest percentage of the Browns' 11 personnel I've seen. So they made a concerted effort to say, we're going to try to get more defensive backs on the field from Tampa, and we're going to try to eliminate, um, you know, Harrison Bryant hasn't been playing all too well lately, so they wanted to eliminate a lot of his impact on the game and give some of their wide receivers a better chance, including upticks, as we saw from David Bell and Anthony Schwartz being welcomed into this one. So the Browns, again, 63 of 75 snaps in 11 personnel, nine snaps in 12 personnel, only three snaps in 13 personnel. They had an extra offensive lineman on the field eight times, so that number is down a little bit as well. The Bucks played 13 snaps of base, 60 snaps of nickel to obviously match the Browns' 63-11 personnel. Some short down and distances uh, play a part in that, but um, they only they only played those two. They did not play any dimes, so they didn't bring a 6 DB on the field. Um, the Bucks coverage-wise... They played 12 snaps of man coverage cover 1 which is pretty typical right around that 10 to 15 range for teams they usually use those on late blitzing downs or key third and short fourth and short type of moments to make things difficult on the offense they played nine snaps of cover 2 love those in early downs the browns took advantage of a couple of them they played 20 cover 4 snaps mostly first and second downs uh, as as you know the browns were in due to not a really really great uh, run game effectiveness game Uh, put the Browns in a lot of second and third and longs. They ran seven cover six snaps, which they ran on late downs, trying to take away a lot of the bunch and three-by-one formations the Browns like to put out there. So you get a down, a hook defender, curl flat defender, uh, usually more of a curl defender, and then you get obviously an over-the-top half-field defender as well. So you kind of get some brackets on those three-by-ones that you can take away some of the Browns' favorite schemes. So those are your coverage looks, but they also ran 20 cover three snaps, usually early downs when they were in base. Those 13 base snaps, they just like to keep cover one, walk more people into the box, play the run game stuff. When the Browns got under center, that's what they like to do. The Browns in this one, from a run game perspective, I had them running a couple snaps of inside zone for only four yards. Outside zone, they ran only four times. A couple of them were wiped out by penalty. They had 16 yards on those four tries, but one of them was a 15-yard run, so you can deduce that the efficiency was not there in that phase. They ran power 10 times. This is their highest volume usage, and they ran it for 35 yards, so only 3.5 per carry in power. Uh, Of those power runs, seven of them were from the gun. A lot of gun run in this one. Uh, Counter, the Browns ran that four times, two of which are from the gun. They did not have any effectiveness in counter. Obviously, counter is the guard pulling and kicking out the in-man on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you have a tight end follow him up and through, but they didn't have any effectiveness in that look largely because they did not take care of down blocks the way they needed to. The most effective rush continues to be the pin-pull stuff. They were doing a couple variations of pin-pull. They were taking the front side guard and center and pulling them around, obviously because they would get, they would like to run this to the three techniques so that you could get a down block on the three. The center and guard had a clean release to get out and pull out in space, and that's the one that they hit the most. They hit it for 48 yards, six carries, 48 yards for an eight yards per carry clip, including that big 28-yard Nick Chubb run. Uh, up the left sideline there on the final uh, regulation fourth quarter possession that put them in a position to then throw that ball to David Njoku. But I think it's important to know you might not like the air quote slow developing gun runs, but that pin pull has been their most effective rush since the bye week when they've not been able to establish much in terms of wide zone, inside zone, that stuff they like to do. They did have a little more success in duo man blocking a duo is like power without the puller. It's meant to just get some double-team movements at the line of scrimmage and let your your tailback sort of cut off of the unblocked mic. If he if he breaks one way, you cut the other way. It's a nice little scheme to get some uh, initial point-of-attack movement. so they did run that four times for 24 yards. But overall, again, designed running back runs, you're looking at, in this one, again, uh, Hunt had 15 yards and Chubb had 116, so it's not like they ran it through the roof here, but they were able to get some nice design. The 189 has largely contributed to a 31-yard Schwartz run and a 27-yard Jacoby Brissett run. You're looking at grades, not a great game from the offense. Jacoby Brissett with the 67.3 passing grade was the highest overall graded player on offense at 73.7 because he ran so well, got out and scrambled, and that's a that's a mark that he got some nice um Some nice boost from. I thought it was not a great Jacoby game. He missed some high-low reads in terms of the Browns were trying to isolate hook defenders, and put them in a, a decision-making position where he could either throw the curl uh, or the uh, dig route over top of it or, or sort of a pivot route or a whip route and throw a, a dig over top of it, high-lowing that uh, invert defender. He left a lot of throws out there. So Jacoby did enough to win. He made some great throws when it mattered. Uh, he took a lot of heat. There was a lot of pressure. The Bucks did a really good job of organic pressure, which is just blitzing nobody and having your front four get after the quarterback and drop seven and be able to move – they were able to move the Browns' offensive line into Brissette's lap in those predictable pass situations. That made Jaco- Jacoby's job harder. And I have to reiterate, because I put out a tweet today, that like the Bucks' defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. It's very similar to the defense that they won a Super Bowl with. Levante, David, and, and – um, Devin White cover as well as any linebackers as a tandem in the NFL. They are all over tight ends in front of their fate. They're quick reactors. Great, great coverage players. And a core group of defenders that they've drafted over the last three years that are really rangy, nice players, can play the box. Winfield, uh, you know, they have Keanu Neal who they've acquired who can do some of that stuff too. They're very versatile, and obviously their front. Joe tryon sharinka is a, a nice young player. They move Vita Vea all around. Akeem Hicks is a really good player for them up front. William Goldston's nice. And Carl Nassib had some nice efforts in this game too. So that's a good defense. And they did some varied stuff up front. They were dropping, wheeling out edge players to create some havoc in the quick throws Cleveland likes to make. They had a nice game plan, but I do think Jacoby watches this game. He'll see some throws he left on the field, and Pro Football Focus agrees with it. So your other highest marks in this one, uh, Harrison Bryant had a a 72 overall but only 21 snaps. Amari Cooper had the next highest grade overall for this offense with a 67.7, Nick Chubb 67.3. The only offensive lineman who had a a really solid grade overall was Jedrick Will, 67.1, which they graded him pretty high in his pass-blocking performance. That's why. uh, Otherwise, the group down at the bottom, you're looking at Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin. Those guys did not grade well. Joel Batonio had a 60.7, his worst grade of the season. Again, Teller Conklin below 60. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 56.1, 53.5 from David Bell. So you can figure out that Tampa Bay was really tough to deal with up front, and Uh, The Browns didn't collectively do all too well on offense. One of their worst graded total game efforts on the offensive side of the football. But again, they found a way, and that's what you like, is finding a way to overcome maybe some bad individual performances and get enough points on the board to win at 23. So Brissett had a 67.3 total grade we talked about. He dealt with two drops, four sacks, uh, which is not not ideal, some of which were his. I thought the grade of 67.3 made sense. The... uh, No turnover-worthy plays, no big-time throws, even though I thought the throw to David should have been graded as a big-time throw because you really had to put that in a very specific spot to get it over Devin White, but Pro Football Focus doesn't agree. He was 19 of 27 when kept clean, 179 a touchdown. Under pressure is where he gets his worst pass metric, 4 of 10 for 31 yards, and they did give him an interception on that Hail Mary uh, that was deemed under pressure because they got into his face right when he threw it. When he wasn't blitzed, he had an 18 of 28 mark for a touchdown and a pick. On 13 dropbacks, he was blitzed, which is about an average league average number. Five of nine against the blitz for 46 yards, and that's where he took, uh, again, the sack issues came in. He took two sacks when he was blitzed. So a fine game from Jacoby. I don't really have a problem with it. He was three of six on play action for 26 yards, 20 of 31, 184, a touchdown pick when no play action, three of three on screens, but only for seven yards. So, I mean, again, it was good enough to win with. Not, not the type of play from him that ruined the game, but just good enough. So I would give Jacoby a solid B to B-grade in this one. Maybe you could talk me into a C plus Given the conditions, given the quality of the defense he was playing against and how his guys played up front, I think he played a pretty admirable game. The receiving marks were not very good. Harrison Bryant, only two receptions, two targets, nine yards. He had a 77.6. That's the highest mark. Anthony Schwartz gets a 68.2. He had that one catch for 17 yards in the left flat, which, again, anything from him in the passing game, getting a reverse and being effective, those are huge boosts right now, unexpected. David Njoku had a drop that hurt his grade a little bit, but he had that ridiculous catch, so we we boost that up to a, a little higher, 67.7. He caught five of eight targets for 29 yards. Amari Cooper, seven of 11, a really critical fourth down drop, but he responded well. He made some Really nice contested catches in this one that you, that you really they needed him to make those contested catches. He was two for two on those. Donovan Peoples Jones was zero for two, which is not a usual thing for him in contested catch situations. He was two catches on four targets, 16 yards. He almost dropped one of his two catches, double caught it, uh, ended up making a nice focus play to to reel it in. Uh, but that's about it. The the two running backs catch two of three targets for. Uh, just 24 yards. David Bell catches four or five for 23. Doesn't really create much after the catch. The slot is interesting to me. They're moving a bunch of guys around the slot. They had 18 David Bell snaps in the slot, 18 DPJ, 17 for Cooper, 14 for Njoku, four for Schwartz. So they're moving people all around. Njoku had 20 inline snaps in this one. The Yak leader was Cooper's 36 yards after catch largely uh, produced on his final drive of overtime rail route, double move, a catch that turned into 45 yards. So that's your yak leaders, not creating much yards after catch right now. Nick Chubb at 15, uh, to create some yards on a swing pass into the flat and Joku at 17. And then Schwartz had 14 that he did a nice job making a man miss in space. And, uh, only three missed tackles for us, but all by Amari Cooper, you need a little bit more of an uptick in that in the coming weeks, the running back stuff here. Um, is is not altogether too great in this one a 74.8 for Jacoby Brissett's the highest because he made some great scramble efforts off play action had a nice run Uh, and then another nice run up the left sideline as well to create some yards 68.2 for Chubb he had six missed tackles forced four runs of 10 plus yards six zone runs 20 gap runs so that tells you the Browns are not as as a zone team anymore Uh, he had three runs of 15 plus yards 58 breakaway yards you like that, five first down runs. Kareem Hunt, only five carries for 15 yards. He had 12 yards after contact. Nick had 69, nice, and then um, a long of nine. On a fun little, um, you know, almost a ISO-looking play, they ran out of duo, which was fun, where they they motioned the tight end toward the middle, in and out at the middle, and let him isolate on that, that linebacker, the Mike who's not blocked in that concept. So that was a nice little wrinkle in the scheme uh looking at blocking grades collective blocking grades we'll talk about um pass blocking first Jedrick Wills gets an 87 he only gives up one pressure in 46 pass sets 22 true pass sets overall he uh, gave up again one hit in those instances so he grades well Jack Conklin gets a nice grade as well he did not allow a single pressure uh in either phase either off of play action or uh, whatever you know run action the Browns provide and then the 22 True pass sets, he did not allow pressure either. Wyatt Teller, he allowed a sack, a hit, and a couple hurries. So four overall in the in the, the collective pass-blocking phase. The true pass sets, he allowed a sack and a couple hurries. Not his best pass-blocking grade. Joel Batonio, 64.6. He allowed three hurries on his side. Vita Vea tough to block, man. Uh, really tough to block. All three of those came on true pass sets. Froholt allowed... Uh, one sack, one hit, one hurry, so three total from him, uh, and then uh, all of uh, just one of those came in true pass set. So that does help some, but you can see how the offensive line struggled in the passing game. The run phase, you you know, your only grade that was above average was a gap down grade of sixty nine point seven from Yodi Froholt. Everybody else, pretty much, those who played a significant number of snaps, uh, and you're looking at gap, you would talk about. 68 uh 60 sorry 48.3 from Conklin, 54.5 from Betonio, 57.1 from Wills, Teller 55.5. So that tells you they were not doing a great job of gapping down movement at the line of scrimmage or creating a bunch of turnarounds in their uh seal or kickout blocks as well. So but again, this Bucks front really difficult to run on. Uh, and then you're looking at the zone stuff. There's only six of those reps. Conklin a 45.6. Continue, uh, continuing a weird trend for Jack Conklin's run blocking grades, and especially his zone grades this year, which is the worst in his career. Batonio gets a 65.8 in zone runs, which is the highest mark of any lineman. Uh, Jed 57.9, 54.7 from Teller. That's about it. And Joku, kind of an average blocking game from him, both grades at the, the low 60s didn't think he was perfect some that got through it on him and a couple that I thought he didn't necessarily identify who to block down on but he was okay and he had some key blocks and key moments as well nobody really else to uh to write home about they continue to ask david bell to make some difficult backside blocks and he fights really hard but it's a it's a real challenge for him uh, i'm just the longevity of david bell we'll see uh, very much up in the air a position i'm sure they would like to upgrade on if they can but he provides at least some steady play for now. We're going to take a break, our only break of this episode. Uh, We'll come back. We'll talk about the notes from defense, and um, yeah, we'll switch to that side. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, telling you again about the Fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real-money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Okay, switching sides of the football now, talking about a defensive performance that, that really uh, impressed as the game wore on. They got better and better. They only allowed 325. They only allowed 96 net rushing yards. Uh, outside of that Cincinnati game, that's the most recent one. They've allowed a team to stay under 100 rushing yards for a game. 229 through the air. Certainly could have been worse. 246 for Brady ind- individually. A couple touchdowns. Let's, yeah, let's dig into this because it was, it was interesting. Here are my notes. The Bucks ran 12 personnel, 18 times. The Browns matched that 11 times in base uh, to, to get a better feel for run game stuff. I, I liked, I liked some of that. And then they got aggressive with Delpit coming down and filling when they were in dime or sorry, nickel looks uh, outside of that they only ran one 13 personnel snap so the browns obviously matched that with base and that was tony fields they got really aggressive with tony fields coming in playing that sam rule that used to be talkie-talkie. so they're playing him a bit more uh, as they use base the bucks ran 44 11 personnel snaps which is the their best look with julio godwin and evans the browns matched that with base only four times 30 nickel snaps and then they played that three three two dime three down lineman two linebackers um, sometimes three, and Ronnie Harrison comes in to be an extra DB. So that was a fun look, which they ran 11 times. They did run 20 personnel down near the goal line a couple times with two running backs and then um, three wide receivers. The Browns matched that in base. So uh, not altogether, I don't think there's anything wonky about what the Browns did. Maybe some of the base uptick uh, that they had uh, to 11 personnel, a couple of those, but the dime stuff was different. They tried to use. Uh, more droppers, more zone droppers to get in the way of, you know, Tom Brady's so excellent in that 5-yard to 15-yard range. The ball gets out of his hands so fast, he deciphers things, lightning speed still at his age. So I think it was pretty obvious that the Browns wanted to congest the intermediate portions of the field as often as they could with extra bodies. Not blitz him a ton, get extra bodies into the right position. And I thought they did a pretty good job of that, and that 3-2 dime look is a nice wrinkle uh, to throw out there. They played nine snaps of man, eight of cover one, most of which come on third down. Five of them came on third down or late down scenarios, as the Browns like to get a little wonky, play some two man, play some two, uh, play some uh, you know cover one rob to get in low hole. Some of the stuff that you could throw over the middle. So they did a nice job with those looks. Didn't get beat all too bad. They only played two snaps of cover two. They did play ten snaps of cover six, just like Tampa. They like to throw that cover six wrinkle out on those late. Uh, late and long second and uh, second and long plays. And then the third and fourth down situations they arrive in. They played 16 cover four snaps, most of which were on second and third downs, long down scenarios to get more people into the back portions of the field. And then when they went heavier personnel groupings, they played some cover three, seven of which of these 25 cover three snaps, which is again, the Browns base is cover three more than anything else. Uh, they played seven of those on third down. So they sprinkled some of those in as well. Whenever they played dime, I think I have it here, 70%, 71% of the time they were in closed coverage, cover one or cover three. They did sprinkle in a few cover fours, but not many. They only blitzed three times out of base. They blitzed only four times out of all those nickel snaps they played in this one, only blitzed four times from nickel and one time from dime. You don't blitz Tom Brady and get away with it very often, so that plan was abundantly obvious to me. So um, against the blitz uh, in this one, Brady... Like I said, only blitzed 10 times on 10 dropbacks, so he only completed 6 of 10 for 50 yards. Uh, that That's probably something that they wanted to stay away from was being burnt in those scenarios. When he wasn't blitzed, he was still the effective you know, Pro Bowl quarterback Tom Brady is, 33 of 36. He just doesn't put the ball in harm's way. They gave him two big-time throws, two touchdowns. 196 yards, 241 in the game when he was kept, and they kept him clean all game. The Browns didn't pressure him a ton. He was pressured on eight dropbacks. When they did get pressure on him, that's when the effectiveness went way down, as it does for almost all quarterbacks, but one for five for five yards when they got pressure on him. That's That speaks to how, how tough it is to get pressure with that that offensive line and how quickly Brady gets the football out. I think that part's paramount to understand his time to throw, 2.38 set 2.71. So there's a difference in how quickly the football gets out of his hands and the average distance of target, though. Also a couple yards shorter at 10.7 for Jacoby and 8.8 for Brady. He tries to beat pressure with his mind, and that stuff often is, uh, is pretty effective for him and his processing speed and stuff like that. So not altogether too uncommon. They didn't do bad, right? They didn't let Brady totally beat him. And after giving up 56 rushing yards on the first series, that's when they really turned it around and only allowed 40 yards the rest of the way. JOK gets the highest grade, 66 snaps for him. Uh, as on the game, Tampa played, if you throw out the penalty plays, they played that 66 snaps. Uh, JOK, in 83.6, an effective 72.2 run defense, 80.6 tackling grade, and an 83.1 coverage grade. All those things you love to see. Your next highest, Miles Garrett, 65, at a 73.3 overall. A.J. Green left after only eight snaps. 73.2 Ben still gets five uh, run defense snap six pass rush snaps and has a 72.8 and that's the probably highest game grade for any Browns defensive tackle inside um, the season I mean if you put a guy 10 minimum snaps that's probably one of the highest grades this year so good to see from him we'll have to break that down a little bit more in the coming days and try to put that in a picture for you Tony Fields plays 16 snaps grades above 70 a 71.5 Thomas Graham a very admirable job playing in the slot where he had, in this game, stepped in for A.J. Green against Chris Goblin, did the best he could, played 33 slot snaps and did well, 70.7 grade, including 71.4 in coverage. He only gave up that one uh, third down throw for a completion for a first, but he was, he was where he needed to be and did a nice job in run fits. John Johnson, a 70.3 as well. The guys who did not grade it, Taki Taki took a step back. I really did not think he missed a couple tackles, missed a couple run fits, Not his best game, a 43.9. Deion Jones only played 20 snaps, a 49.9. Perion Winfrey played 23 with a 53 grade. Um, Isaiah Thomas played 8 snaps, 53.6. Taven Bryan, 54.3. Jordan Elliott, 55.1. The usual cast of characters down near the bottom of the grading sheet as you talk about your interior guys. From run defense-grade perspectives, Denzel Ward gets a nice mark. He has a, an assist tackle and, and really did his job in, in contain and beating some some guys that were coming after him and did, like I said, pretty effective stuff from Denzel in the run phase um, in this one. Tony Field, 72.5. JOK, 72.2. Ronnie Harrison, 72.0, but only three reps in the run. Only two reps of run defense for Deion Jones, a 69.9. Still only had five for 66.3. Your bottom, guys, Miles Garrett continues, and I think it's largely due to the shoulder, which is abundantly obviously hurting him. He gets the worst run defense grade of 46.5, Delpit 52.5, Emerson 53.0. And some of these I'm not sure. These guys weren't, you know, like Emerson and Delpit I thought were relatively okay. There was the one popped run for 35 yards up the sideline on that first series where it looked like Emerson chased in. His man cracked on Delpit coming down into the box, and Emerson, in a man coverage look, did not recognize and feel it out, and that was a two-for-one situation, so maybe that's where they're dinging these guys because I thought they played the run pretty effectively, so it's hard to get uh, pretty upset about it. As far as stop tackles go, the most were Delpit, JOK, both had two fields. Elliott, A.J. Green, Ronnie Harrison still, Miles Garrett, Deion Jones, and Clowney all had one uh the missed tackle metrics, only one missed tackle when playing the run, and that came from Jadevian Clowney um, in this one. And then outside of that, we did not have any other notable plays, including forced fumbles or anything of that nature. And the coverage side, um pass sorry, pass rush grade side, Miles gets your highest at 85.6, including four total pressures, two sacks, a hit, a hurry. So a nice day from him rushing the passer. When you get him into some nice rhythm, right, with rushing the passer he can be pretty damn effective when he can and start to set up some counter moves. Still gets the second highest grade, only six snaps, at 65.6, but he did get a pressure. The highest pressure, guys, Miles had four, and then there was only a scattering of one. One for Jordan Elliott on that coverage sack where he ended up making it in the backfield. Uh, Taven Bryan still both had one. Deion Jones had a, had a pressure, and Jadeveon Clowney had one pressure. Outside of that, nobody else with a pressure in this game. And as far as true pass set pressures, Not very many uh, true pass set pressures in this game, and that was the only one came from uh, Jordan Elliott, and and that ended up being a sack as well. So not an overall impressive pass rush game. And again, you don't really get that against Tampa very often. Coverage grades, JOK allowed three catches on four targets, only 14 yards. He gets the highest mark. Thomas Graham allowed six for six, but kept everything tight in front of him. He he did not allow anything to pop off 34 yards. He did a nice job. John Johnson, 66.7. He allowed one catch for six yards. Martin Emerson, you got to talk about Martin Emerson a little bit. I mean, he he faced Mike Evans in isolated coverage almost all day. He he did get beat a couple times that didn't end up hurting him because Brady missed the throw he was trying to make or there was a misconnection. But, I mean, as far as fighting Mike Evans as a rookie, a really good performance. Not clean, not perfect, but, but, but damn good. He only allowed two catches and ten targets. He did get flagged for one pass interference, which I didn't totally agree with. I didn't think it was. Uh, all too much pass interference. But, I mean, to to be targeted 10 times and only give up two catches for 10 yards, that's pretty damn impressive. Also coming up with one of the two pass breakups on the day as JOK came up with the other pass breakup. You really do like to see that. It's, it's good stuff. JOK did get beat, I should have mentioned, on the goal line down there. Uh, Tampa threw a little rollout play action, quick to the f- slide to the fullback in the flat. He did not adjust course quick enough and get to the fullback, so he does get credited with giving up one touchdown down near the goal line Uh, other guys corners who played a significant number of snaps you're talking about grand delpit played a significant number he had two catches allowed on five targets for 34 yards denzel ward continues to sort of be in the right position but not break up the football in his direction he allowed five catches on five targets for 69 to lead the group had a pass interference on the godwin touchdown called on him too i i think I don't think Denzel played poorly, but boy, does he need to uptick some of the at-arrival uh, ball stuff, uh, ball playing, uh, what do they call that, uh, ball skill stuff. Like, it's just not happening for him, and it's um, it's got to change because he's giving up too many plays where he's in the vicinity to make a catch, especially that late throw in cover six where he was dropping underneath Julio Jones and has to get a hand on the football, and he doesn't. And it almost bites the Browns because with eight seconds left, Tampa could have gotten into field goal range after that. Luckily, they did not. But I I still need Denzel to start putting something positive together. Outside of Atlanta, a really bad season collectively in grades. And I think the film does match that. If you look at his defense grades, the Atlanta game, he performs really well at an 86.7. But you're talking about drastic collective season drop-off numbers going from a 769 to a forty-six point two, a forty-two point five run. Everything across the board for his career is usually in the seventies, and it was a high seventies mark last year. Everything this year that matters is below fifty, and it's 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 rough. It's really really rough. He's almost given up as many pass yards in coverage. He's given up twenty-six catches on thirty-seven targets. His highest reception percentage allowed in his direction. Last year it was sixty-two percent, the year before fifty-five, the year before 44, his rookie year fifty-three. So clearly the highest volume there. His highest amount of yards and coverage given up all throughout his career for a single season is four hundred and ninety in twenty twenty. He had four nineteen last year. He's always been hovering around the four fifty 450 number. Four fifty one is rookie year, four twenty-six, four ninety. Four nineteen, he's already given up four twelve this year, and he's giving up fifteen point yard point eight yards per reception. Which is the most by two yards of his career? Uh, he's given up two uh, two touchdowns. The thing that's worrisome is he only has one interception and two pass breakups on the year. So, you know, I I certainly don't think Denzel is, is going to be a pay and struggle the rest of his career guy, but he's having a pretty rough season this year. That is not uh, it's not really something you can dispute. So they they they're looking for him to put it together soon, very soon. In this one they need it. Sione Takitaki, the worst pass coverage grade. Giving up seven catches on seven targets for 62 yards, and Brady really picked on him in underneath coverage all day. That's why they brought Deion Jones on for some reps late in the game too, because uh, that's again that's a little bit where Taki Taki can have some limitations. Quick reaction passing stuff underneath into his curl flat zone, not always uh, as clean as you need it to be. So looking at uh, I, I wanted to look at the matchup stuff. Uh, You know, against Mike Evans, Martin Emerson, he does have the one penalty. It's important to note, but he's not registered to giving up any catches when when, uh, when put against Mike Evans. Evans got a catch against Ward for 28, where Ward sort of blew a deep coverage and let him hit that blaze-out route for nobody really around him. Both him and John Johnson took off deep to cover a deep corner, and that should have just been John and Denzel didn't cover it right. Pretty clear on that. And then uh, Mike Evans had, I think, a quick screen for three yards where Ronnie Harrison was attributed with that. But, yeah, that's really impressive stuff from Emerson, and he has been an uptick in the right direction when Denzel has struggled this year. So him him picking up that position has really, really been vital for the Browns this year. Uh, Special teams Jermaine Carter actively involved the most snaps for Fields, Kunisik, Greedy Williams, Jermaine Carter. Carter had the best 75.1 grade, 72.6 from David Bell. Jerome Ford, 65.2. Schwartz, a 73.5, including a tackle. Both Schwartz and Kunisik had a tackle in this one. Schwartz had a really nice highlight on a punt. Punt team gunner rundown tackle play that I highlighted on Twitter. You can check that out. And then we're going to have something about the kicking game and really what, what Jay Feely noted today, which I find fascinating because I was looking into it right when Feely tweeted that. Which is there is some plant like uh, there was Corey Bjorquez was getting some heat for his guys that he's held for struggling as kickers and I I have been watching this really closely because people had told me before the season started with Bjorquez that he had he had struggled holding for uh, certain other organizations but I've seen no I've seen no evidence of it I thought he's been really good Jay Feely went back and watched every kick and confirmed he thought he saw the same things what he's noticing is plant leg inconsistencies for uh for for Cade York that I'm also noticing I mean it's 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 insane to me how similar the kicking motion is to the golf swing and how it all how it all moves the football based on how the the leg swings through and your follow through it's really quite fascinating especially if you like golf so I'm going to try to write up what I think is going on with Cade and his right hash struggles that have popped up this year because they need him to to be better. They, they definitely need him to be better. It's not an impatient thing. Don't think anything like that is going on, but they need him to to strike the football and fundamentally be crisp all the time uh, because you can't have shanks. You can't push the football way wide, right? Like he did from 39, 40 yards against the chargers that came back to haunt them. And you obviously can't hook that ball from 35 the way he did when you need consistently made field goals from that range in the NFL, like it wasn't even close. The leg went outside and swung across the body and it was just a complete disaster. So we'll try to put that on paper for you as well. Uh, I spent some time tonight watching this Deshaun Kaiser interview. Uh, I, I'm kind of off topic now, but go watch that interview. I'm probably going to talk to Jordan about it this week and talk to, um, uh, you know, John Colosimo a little bit about it too later in the week as well, but th- it's well worth your time to, uh, to go watch it because Kaiser talks about everything, his draft process in Cleveland, a lot of things that tie to the Browns and the way the culture of the organization was back then. It's, it's really interesting. And his Aaron Rodgers stuff is flat out hilarious. So uh, that's on my Twitter timeline as well. Check that out. We'll have some fun stuff up at the OBR midweek here. I'll get out something about wrinkles in the offense. I think are going to happen with the Sean Watson and Houston this weekend that they will implement. So check that out. Otherwise, guys, have a fantastic Tuesday. Thanks for stopping by, listening to this episode. I always appreciate you, you know, when you listen to me blabber about my thoughts on the game and research and, and study of the tape that I do when you, you check in on these Tuesday episodes that are just me talking for 40 minutes. So thanks again, as usual, for supporting this pod. It really means everything to me, and they're a little bit more fun when these guys win. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll check in with Jared Mueller, talk about some burning questions as the Browns enter an important stretch of games coming up. Really important. Got to win them all pretty much. You can maybe lose one, but you got to win damn near every one of them with uh, the games that they've lost. It's not like the games they've lost have been against teams that won't matter. They're all sort of right in the thick of the wild card, and you just, listen, you better win them all the rest of the way. That's the virtue, uh, sorry, the situation that you put yourself in uh, with some of these early losses. So we'll see if they're able to swing it, get to 9-8, and 10-7. That'll be a point of discussion in the coming weeks. Check out the OBR this uh This fine Tuesday, see if there's any content you want to read about there. Always go to ATI. We'll answer your questions. Have a great Tuesday, guys. Again, thanks for stopping by, and go Browns.